There are two horrific legends in Latin America, and they both have something peculiar in common. One is the story of a spoiled brat who had to pay the price for his disrespect. The other is the tale of someone who paid dearly for her sins. They're both on the latest episode of The Mysteries of Latin America, where we dive deep into the mysteries, myths, and legends of North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean. Hello there, friends, and welcome to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. My name is Andrew Colon, and I'd like to thank you for spending a little time with me today with this week's episode. Now, being of Latin American descent, and after having lived in Latin America for the last 30 years, I can assure you that this part of the world can be a fantastic and magical, yet surreal and strange place to live sometimes. It's a place where the modern world of the 21st century can be mysteriously intertwined with ancient wisdom, folklore, religion, and superstition. And every day can be a surprise in one way or another, believe me. And some of those surprises can be found in some of the mysterious legends and myths that can be a part of life in Latin American countries. And by Latin American countries, I'm referring to North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean, Spanish or Portuguese-speaking areas with rich indigenous, European, and African ancestry and cultures. Sometimes these legends can be front and center in life, and other times they can be in the background, as part of superstitions or traditions that we barely realize are there. In previous podcasts, I've already told the stories of epic legends like La Llorona, El Chupacabra, The Woman in Black, and the Alushas of the Yucatan Peninsula. And if you haven't heard those episodes, I invite you to check them out after hearing this one. In this episode, I'll tell two stories, one from Venezuela and the other is from Colombia. And while they're different, they do have at least one important similarity. Now let's get on to the first story. For that, we'll need to take a trip down to Venezuela. In Venezuela, like many parts of Latin America, there are stories of the paranormal that have become part of the region's folklore, mostly among people living in rural areas with strong religious beliefs. One of those stories is called El Silbón, the Whistle Man, and it caught my attention because it's one of the most popular in that country. This legend comes from the southern central plains of Venezuela, and if you're curious like I am, you'll take a second look at your map of Venezuela in case you aren't familiar. This part of the country is where much of Venezuela's folkloric music is from, and you'd be talking most about the states called Barinas, Portuguesa, and Cogedes, magic lands full of myths, legends, and beliefs. Some say that the Whistleman, or El Silbón, comes from a small town called Guanarito, or another town called El Vijao, both of which are located in the state of Portuguesa, and that the story first started circulating in the mid-1800s. Now, there are different versions of this story, and if you have another version you'd like to share with me, send a comment in the section for comments of this podcast, and I'll share it with everyone later on. The story goes that there was a couple in this area of Venezuela, and they very much wanted a child. But as much as they tried, the wife just couldn't get pregnant. Finally, after years, the wife finally did get pregnant, and she gave birth to a healthy and strong baby boy, and both she and her husband were over the moon with happiness over their blessing. The happy couple focused all of their love and attention on their only son, giving in to every need, request, and demand he had as a young boy. 
If he wanted milk, his mother would run out to the cow and get some. If he wanted candy, his father would walk miles into town to buy some. And whatever he wanted to eat would be served to him as he wished. He was truly spoiled. Only one person, though, refused to spoil the child, his maternal grandfather, who lived with the family. He believed in the older ways of raising children, where they earned what they got and accepted what there was. And although he always told them they were doing more harm than good to their son, they didn't listen to him, saying he was out of touch with modern parenting and kept giving in to all the wishes of their golden only child. The child didn't help with the chores on the family farm, and he didn't help at home either. He didn't have to. His whole family worked on the farm, but he would just sit around watching them and whistling. He was always whistling. In fact, his parents always knew where he was by listening for his whistle. One day, when the boy was 15 years old, he told his mother he wanted to eat his favorite dish, tripa. Now, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, tripa is a dish made well of intestines. In English, we call it tripe, but that still doesn't change the fact that it's an animal's intestines. And this spoiled 15-year-old young man specifically wanted tripa de venado, or deer intestines. Now, you're probably making the yuck face right now. But please know that in many Latin American countries, tripa can be a delicacy when washed and prepared the right way. And back in those days, out in rural Venezuela or in any part of Latin America, or really most places in the 1800s, if you butchered an animal, you made the most of it. But all of that notwithstanding, no, I don't like or eat tripa, intestines, or sesos, brains, or pancita, stomach. I am still not there yet. I'm barely past liking mole. Well, this young man's mother had to tell him that there were no animal intestines to prepare this dish, and they did have to go without this time. But the son wasn't having any of this. He wanted his tripa, and he wanted it now. He went out and found his father on the farm, demanding his favorite meal. But his father told him what his mother did that there was none to be found. Well then, go out and hunt a deer. I want my tripa. But his father explained to him that he had too much work to do on the farm, and he couldn't just drop everything to go hunt him a deer. But the son didn't care, and that 15-year-old brat in severe need of an attitude adjustment threw a tantrum for his father to go and get a deer now. His father gave in, got his hunting rifle, and went out into the forest to hunt for a deer. He hunted for hours, but he didn't have any luck, and he couldn't find a deer to hunt for his son's favorite meal. Dejected and defeated, he went home. As he approached his house, he could hear his son's whistle, and it just made him dread coming home empty-handed all the more. When he got home, he saw his son out by the barn, whistling and holding a knife in his hand. When the father told his son about his bad luck hunting, the son flew into a blind rage, saying that if he couldn't get the intestines from a deer, he would get it from his father, and he killed his father on the spot and removed his intestines. Mm. 
The son then walked into his mother's kitchen, still whistling, and handed the innards to his mother, his hands still bloody from the butchery. She then cooked his favorite meal and set a table for the family to eat. She called out to her father and her husband to come and eat, but only her father came. The son was already eating when his grandfather sat down, and he was still whistling between mouthfuls. The grandfather got up and went outside to get his son-in-law and found his disemboweled body out by the barn. He came running to the house when he put two and two together, screaming at the child and telling his daughter she was eating her husband. Disgusted, she vomited her food and started screaming at the top of her lungs. The son just kept on eating and whistling. He looked at his grandfather saying, I wanted tripa, so I got tripa. Furious, the grandfather grabbed a talisman he had around his neck and started chanting and mumbling in a lost language. He was cursing his grandson for mutilating his own father. I curse you for your vile acts. I curse you to walk these plains as a lost soul for all eternity. And so you don't forget what you did, you're going to carry your father's dead body in a sack on your back and your hunger will be forever insatiable. And since you like whistling so much, you'll never speak again. You'll only be able to whistle. And when he was finished cursing his grandson, the boy's once young, robust body and face turned skeletal and grotesque. Now this boy is a specter of a figure called El Silbon, the Whistler, and he is doomed to roam the countryside carrying the rotting corpse of his father in a sack on his back. His insatiable hunger drives him to feast on the remains of his father's body, forever tormented by his guilt and the haunting sound of his own whistling. While this story takes place in the 1800s, at least one version of it was written by Damaso Delgado, a Venezuelan poet and writer from the state of Portuguesa, who called it El Silvón, or The Whistler, in 1966. He made an audio recording of his poem in 1967, and it was broadcast by radio all over Venezuela, making it famous there and in neighboring Colombia. Damaso Delgado himself said he once saw and heard The Whistler long ago, but his faith in nearby barking dogs saved him. Now, whether you believe the story or simply think it's a cautionary tale to not spoil your children and to respect your elders and maybe not kill them and eat their intestines, as the sun sets and the wind starts to whisper, remember the tale of El Silbon. And if you ever find yourself walking alone on a quiet Venezuelan night, keep your ears open because you just might hear the haunting whistle of a tormented soul seeking redemption. And from Venezuela, we'll travel next door to the country of Colombia, where I'll next tell you the story of La Patasola. The legend of La Patasola, which in Spanish means one foot, begins in the Colombian region of Tolima Grande, a rural area of Colombia during Colombia's colonial period. The story goes that a tenant farmer of a large hacienda 
which in Latin America is the equivalent to a plantation, had a very beautiful wife, and he had three children with her. The patron, the hacienda's owner, wanted a wife of his own, so he called on one of his most trusted ranch hands to send him on a quest to help find him one. He sent the man to the river where the women did their washing to pick one of them out for him. Clearly different times. The cowboy he sent saw the wife of his friend, the tenant farmer, and said to himself, she's the one. He went back and told the hacienda's owner about the woman. Much later, at the town festival known as La Vaqueria, the husband confided to his friend, the ranch hand, of his troubles, how his wife was now cold to his touch and was no longer affectionate and didn't take care of his meals or clothing like she used to, that she was now always in a bad mood and had grown mean and cruel. He said if he had his way, he'd leave her, but he wouldn't because of the children. The ranch hand, who knew that his friend's wife was secretly meeting with El Patron, felt sympathy for his friend's situation and then told him about the hacienda owner and his wife conveniently leaving out the part that he had picked his wife out from all the women washing their clothes down at the river. The husband was saddened and betrayed and thanked his friend for telling him the truth and he walked away alone thinking, if I was sure she was cheating me with the patron, so help me God, I don't know what I would do. So the husband came up with a plan to test his wife and went home. He told his wife he had to go into town because El Patron sent him to go fetch his mail and that he would have to spend the night there. He said goodbye to his wife and children and left. He rode away on his horse and went to a few different places to make time. He went to a nearby cantina and had a few drinks to boost his courage. Later that night, he rode home, but tied his horse off well before arriving and went the rest of the way on foot. At about 10 o'clock that night, Sure that her husband was away, the wife went to the hacienda to find El Patron. The husband watched her in the moonlight as she walked up the front path of the main house of the hacienda and went inside. The husband went back to his house, found the children sleeping, and climbed into bed himself. Just before daybreak, the wife came back to the house, entering quietly so as to not wake the kids. The husband came out of his bedroom, startling her, and asked his wife where she had gone. I went to go wash clothes down at the river, she said. At night, he asked. Hmm. He acted like he believed her, and then he got ready for a long day's work at the hacienda. A few nights later, the husband made up another story about having to go away. And later that night, he hid behind some trees in front of his house. But that night, his wife didn't go anywhere. The patron came to his house, where he received a very warm welcome from his wife. Enraged, the husband jumped out from behind the tree with his machete held high, and with one blow, he cut the patron's head clean off. His wife, horrified and surprised, tried to run away, but the enraged husband swung his machete, missing her head but he managed to catch her at her hip, severing one of her legs clean off. She died minutes later. The husband was put into jail 
but he was released only a few days later, as local justice back then found his actions justifiable. As he arrived to his house, he took his kids out of it and set the house on fire. Legend says that it wasn't long after that, that there were reports of a hideous, beastly woman who hid in the forest and jungles nearby since that horrible night, hopping around on one horrible leg, whistling, as she hopped through mountains, valleys, and forest paths. She is forever doomed to roam for her infidelity, bringing dishonor to her children and her family. She lives forever hiding in the deep vegetation of the jungles and forests. She whistles out to men walking alone at night. And in the light of the moon and at a distance, she appears to be a beautiful woman looking for love. But as the men draw closer, she transforms into a one-legged beast with eyes of fire, a mouth like a shark, covered by a shock of scraggly hair to hide her ugliness who pounces on her victims, ripping them apart, devouring them, and draining them of their blood. The tale of the disrespectful and selfish son, El Silbon, the whistler, true or not, tries to teach the lesson that the bonds of family are threads that connect generations and require respect, care, and compassion. And in the legend of the unfaithful wife, La Patasola weaves a story of trust, fidelity, and the consequences of betraying the bonds of love and commitment. Legends like these and others can be like mirrors we hold up to ourselves, reflecting the complexities of morality, relationships, and the consequences of our choices. These two stories highlight the spectrum of human behavior and its impact on individuals and communities. In times before technology, these legends, woven through generations, were ways to carry invaluable lessons that continue to resonate not just in Latin America, but across many cultures. Friends, thank you for listening to the legends of El Silbon and La Patasola, products of the oral tradition of handing down tales and stories from one generation to another in Venezuela and Colombia. North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean is a place of mystery. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And each week, I'll bring you stories of ancient civilizations, myths, legends, unsolved mysteries, UFOs, paranormal phenomena, witchcraft, and a whole lot more. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and YouTube. And if you have a story you'd like to suggest, just comment on one of those sites and we'll take a look and see if it might be the subject of next week's Mysteries of Latin America podcast. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. <laughs>